Hello, I'm uh, Vincent Denley Spinola. I'm here with Hunter Johnson. Hi, I also go by Kamalay. Today we're going to be talking about the Kanaka Maoli's fight for independence. Um, It's Hawaiian for Native Hawaiians. And we're just going to be discussing the modern day reflections of the Hawaiian sovereignty and uh, independence movement. Um, Hunter is familiar with the history of Hawaii. Um, yeah, uh, I actually grew up there, like, on and off when I was a kid. And my entire family on one side lives there between Oahu and the Big Island. Um, she, uh, I don't believe you're familiar with the big, big, like, you know, super um, specific details. Um, so in 1849, the U.S. and Hawaii entered in a treaty of friendship um, basically just because the U.S. had fears that Hawaii could be taken over and used by uh, a European country. Uh, so they were trying to build a relationship with Hawaii. Uh, by 19, 1875, uh, they established a trade reciprocity treaty. Uh, and so the influx of uh, U.S. plantation owners started. Um, that really birthed that industry um, in, in Hawaii. Um, uh, and Hawaii traditionally has been a, 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 was a monarchy prior to annexation uh, and their last queen was uh, Lili Wakulani uh, who was kidnapped and removed removed from power in 1893 um, she, she was kidnapped by uh, a man named Dole who was a plantation owner I believe uh, and so he and this group of guys um, disposed of the queen from power um, uh, and that happened in 1893. By uh, 1898, the U.S. annexes Hawaii, and they're formally made a territory in uh, 1900. Um, due to this annexation, though, you uh, population Hawaii explodes. Uh, in 1896, they were at around 110,000 people. Um, by 1910. They were at 191,000. And the rates only increased from there. That population jump that you're talking about, I'm actually pretty sure it's mostly, um, like, Filipino migrant workers that came over to work on, like, the various plantations. There's a lot of people that came over from Asia, too. Um, my family came over in the wave of immigrants probably a couple of decades prior in like the 1840s or so um but the plantation owner Dole that's just the guy that owns like the Dole pineapple plantations and my grandparents have like worked at their canning facilities and stuff like Dole has just had a hold on Hawaii, like, pretty much forever. 
Yeah, even even before they got statehood, they were you know, this this big fruit uh, um, in uh, sugar production um, industry in Hawaii. It's kind of pervasive in the in the state. Yeah, sugar cane workers. That's what a lot of the Filipino workers came over and did. They worked in like sugar cane fields. So um, after after we graduated high school, you and I actually ended up going to Hawaii. Um, before before we went, um, I really hadn't. I had no prior history, or prior knowledge of uh, the history of Hawaii, because uh, I grew my entire childhood in Colorado, and education there does not delve into. Um, you know, what goes on, uh, what went on in Hawaii. Uh, so I really had zero clue until, uh, very recently. Um, I don't know if you, if you had grown up learning about it, cause I feel like I, I, I'm pretty representative, but I don't know. Well, just because I like grew up in Hawaii, um, I learned about that kind of stuff more than I think most people did. Um, cause I went to school in like Keao and stuff or in like Iroquois Point at a beach. And so like Hawaiian class was just like a part of the curriculum and I had to know about, you know, that path to statehood. I also just kind of grew up around it, like Queen Liliuokalani's palace and stuff, like going on tours as a kid. Just around it. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know, being there, I think I, we, we were in Hilo for two months, which is on the big island, and I, I think we got, a, a, I think, like, me personally, I got a good legitimate look at Hawaii, um, and more, like, got a, got a lot of experiences and really, um, delved into the culture and people there, like, getting to know, getting to know your family, um, people coming over. You know, prior prior to going there, um, I had an ideal idyllic view of Hawaii. You know, thinking of it as this, you know, uh, perfect paradise. Um, you know, nothing bad. But being there, it's it's a little poverty ridden compared to mainland U.S. Um, you know, I feel like there's a there's a good good bit of homeless people. The the roads were a little poor. Uh, it, it makes me think of this time we, when we were there, we made a trip across the big islands. Um, it's like an hour drive across. We were on the uh, eastern side of the island uh, in Hilo. And we drive across the island uh, to the west to Kona. Uh, and it's the more touristy side of the island. Um, and just the difference, the difference between the two. Um, Hilo is... He wasn't super touristy or uh or white or wealthy or anything but like that, but Kona Kona definitely was. Um and um we like we had talked about the plantations um and their role in the annexation of the uh of Hawaii. And I feel like the tourism industry is a lot like the those plantations because, you know, they of course they help Hawaii and um, you know, bring bring money to their economy and their people but it also you know further perpetuates the colonialism and 
exploitation of Hawaiian people. Um, I I looked into it, and apparently the GDP of Hawaii twenty percent of it comes from tourism, um, which is uh, above average. I I I would say it's an over reliance, um, in my in my opinion. But uh, you know it's hard because they you know they actively benefit from it, but they could also you know, active, actively benefit from distancing themselves from it um, and being, being more independent, you know, not uh, dependent on the United States. The idea of, like, Hawaii being more poverty-stricken than, like, the mainland U.S., I think part of it does come from, you know, things are a bit different on an island, but... I mean, there's poverty in my family. Cause, like, my mom got adopted. One of her siblings got adopted. There's, like, lots of meth use and stuff. But all of this, it really comes from, like, a forced reliance on the mainland and the United States. And the poverty, it's just cyclic in that... The 20% that's in the GDP coming from tourism, it it was forced upon them. So they can't really opt out of it. And now they're like forced to participate in the destruction of their own lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is sad. When I was digging more into um, the Hawaiian sovereignty movement, uh, I found some interesting things. Um, uh, these petitions that were rediscovered in 1996, the Gue petitions, they were uh, organized by Native Hawaiians in 1897 um, in opposition of Hawaiian annexation. And so it was, it was kind of a grassroots organization that were self-funded and they went in between the Hawaiian islands um, trying to gain signatures and... Um, support you know like fighting annexation um and then they eventually actually ended uh, up going going all the way to washington dc and meeting with the senator um but the petitions ended up gaining twenty one thousand signatures um from the populace of 40,000 uh, native hawaiians so they were pretty successful uh but they were they were actually lost in time because you know, they were rediscovered, um, people, people didn't, people forgot this happened, uh, it's kind of an, uh, an early start to this, uh, Hawaiian independence movement, um, at the time, the overall sentiment was that annexation shouldn't and wouldn't happen, um, I found a newspaper clipping, from 1897 that was from the last queen's private private secretary and he was basically saying that um that native hawaiians either they'd be allowed to vote and they would in they would vote against being part of the u.s or they wouldn't be allowed to vote at all and the u.s would uh, not allow them to join the the union um, as a sort of punishment for rebellion 
um that was that was a uh, that was his prediction um yeah, he he ended up being quite wrong the us just ended up annexing you know the uh the hawaiians anyways and uh in a more modern sense um there's been this more recent growing focus in hawaii to teach hawaiian history to school children um pre 20th century that didn't really happen um it was just ignored you know for this uh kind of whitewashed version of uh history yeah um when i was in elementary school in hawaii um it was just part of my public education in hawaii to have to learn about the culture um i have a bunch of memories like learning about different <laughs> different stories and different foods and different words and different instruments every every week you were you were telling me um earlier too about the uh Kamehameha schools um yeah i have family that is native hawaiian and so they get to attend these schools the kamehameha schools um they're exclusive to people who are like you know whatever percentage hawaiian so i wouldn't be allowed to go but there they have a full like immersive environment where they can learn the hawaiian language they study the culture. Um, it's like their entire experience is based around, you know, keeping keeping their culture alive. And that's like, that's like a state sponsored thing, yeah. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. They're just on, you know, their their land. You know, in the same way that there's like reservations here, a little different, but. Yeah, no, just like as opposed to like a private thing. I was I assumed it was yeah, a state thing. Yeah, it's like public. Um, yeah, I, I think with, um, you know, the growing education, you know, and knowledge surrounding Hawaii's, uh, Hawaii's history, uh, it, its effects can be seen uh, more recently with uh, things like the 30-meter telescope protests. Um uh, protests like these, uh, they wouldn't uh, occur without a uh, growing support um, for anti-U.S. ideals. The uh, the Hawaiian independence movement was uh, intertwined with the 30-meter telescope protests. Um, the uh, the upside-down Hawaiian flags were flown there. If you if you um, look up 30-meter telescope protests, you you'll see it. Uh, those same flags. I saw for the first time in Hawaii, um, it was kind of shock. It was confusing, really, because uh, you'd be driving a road, and this was almost like an everyday occurrence, and you would see like a pickup truck with a flag out the back of it, but it'd be an upside down Hawaiian flag, and um, before Hunter explained it to me, I, I didn't really, I had no idea what it meant. And it's just them showing, you know, um, support for Hawaiian independence. That this uh, this idea that um, the Hawaiian kingdom was overthrown illegally. 
and the the TMT protests they they remind me um of the recent protest scene with Native Americans the uh like with the here in Arizona the Apache uh fighting against mining in the Oak Flats or um the Sioux you know fighting against the Keystone Pipeline um it's, uh you know minority peoples fighting um you know what they see as you know white western um power taking things uh you know stuff that they've done for hundreds of years um uh i actually came across uh something pretty cool i i had no clue about um it's a it's a sovereign nation of Hawaii, and it's uh, an organization that is uh, a demonstration of independent Native Hawaiians, basically in resistance to the illegal occupation of Hawaii. And it formed out of this homeless encampment in the nineteen nineties uh, at a beach. This uh, the homeless were illegally occupying the beach. And fought with uh, Dennis Kanahele to uh, eventually get the state to grant the group 45 acres of land. Um, and so, you know, they formed this nation of Hawaii. And uh, they even have their own constitution, uh, bank and ministries for uh, governance. Uh, they've received international recognition and maintain their own newspaper. Um Key takeaways for uh, listeners just from my research. Um, Native Hawaiians fighting for sovereignty are uh, in the minority. Uh, most most Hawaiians don't support secession from the U.S., but uh, with the growing education and knowledge of the circumstances surrounding Hawaii's annexation, um, uh, a fostering of increased support of Hawaiian sovereignty has happened. Uh, and you, really, you see it in small things, um, protests that occur, uh, art that's made, music that list, that's listened to, and flags that are flown. Uh, they're in the minority, but Hawaiian independent supporters are vocal and growing. And, um, you know, more people should know about their struggle. Perfect. Thank you.